Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike, final segment of today's program. Grateful to you for hanging out with me these last few hours, uh, discussing some important stuff uh, to include, of course, uh, the debate of last night, if you're able to call it that. Uh, Right now, we're pretty much in the position of looking forward. Anytime now, the Commission on Presidential Debates will likely be releasing uh, some updated guidelines and maybe rules uh, that will govern the subsequent uh, debates. And should both campaigns agree to those rules, uh, you know, all should go forward uh, as scheduled. And we have to just cross our fingers and hope that uh, we will be treated uh, not to what we saw last night, but hopefully for a display of uh, policy suggestions, predictions as to the next four years, uh, you know, the types of stuff that we hope to learn so as to be better informed voters. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but uh, setting that aside, uh, let's look back uh, to a conversation we had yesterday. If you remember, to kick off the show, we spoke with Utah Senator Mike Lee. He was just about an hour away uh, from stepping into a very important meeting with Supreme uh, Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. This is uh, you know, the first kind of meet and greet at this stage of the game. Uh, you heard in the news just before we rejoined here a moment ago that Mitt Romney also uh, met with Amy Coney Barrett just this morning. But what sets uh, Senator Lee apart is that he is a member of the Senate Judiciary uh, Committee, the committee which will be, uh, you know, first introducing uh, Amy Coney Barrett to, to the world uh, in the in, in the in the technical sense, in the senatorial sense. Uh, that's the first step in the process. And uh, joining us now again uh, to look back on the meeting he had yesterday with uh, the Supreme Court uh, nominee is Senator Lee joining us on the program again. Senator, how are you? Doing great. Thanks so much, Lee. Can I, and forgive me for this, uh, before we get into the conversation of uh, Judge Barrett and the meeting you had with her, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask, do you have any any reaction or thoughts uh, to the debate of last night you'd be willing to share? It was interesting. Look, I watched the whole thing. The first few minutes of it were certainly exciting and entertaining. It got exhausting uh, before long, and um, I was grateful when it was over. This coming from somebody who ordinarily likes to watch debates, but this was a particularly laborious debate to get through. Uh, it, it was interesting, but not the kind of experience one wants to relive. Yeah, I had asked you yesterday, you know, where you'd be watching, and you described a nice, pleasant setting. I myself was looking forward to to heading home. In fact, my wife—I I forgot to mention this earlier. My my wife, knowing that you know, I kind of live in this world of politics and would need to be discussing it here throughout the day, uh, she went out very thoughtfully, got some snacks. It was going to be an enjoyable evening, and it turned into something, uh, you know, far, far, far different. Hopefully, fingers are crossed uh, that when the vice presidential candidates uh, come here to Utah, we get something different. And should these two uh, remaining presidential 
presidential debates uh, take place. You know, hopefully it's a, a different story than the one that was told last night. Anyway, setting all that aside, thank you for your input there. Setting that aside, uh, you met yesterday uh, with the nominee. Tell us all about it. Well, Judge Barrett's going to be a fantastic Supreme Court justice. Just as I had, had predicted uh, would be the case, I came away from the meeting even more convinced that she'll be a textualist and an originalist dedicated to the principle of constitutionally limited government of federalism and the separation of powers, just as President Trump had promised. Uh, she confirmed all of these things and, and more in the meeting with her. I, we discussed a lot of really exciting topics, things like appellate standards of review, standards of review governing uh, the granting or denial of dispositive motions, motions for summary judgment, Rule 12b6 motions, things like that. That was the Things that every American couldn't wait to discuss with their favorite jurist. <laughs> that was the hypothetical you shared with us uh, yesterday, and she, and she passed your hypothetical test. Uh, yeah, so um, it was interesting. Um, there are a lot of questions that get asked uh, that um, they can't answer. And it, there was one hypothetical that I had wanted to raise that uh, couldn't be answered because one of the lawyers representing the White House Counsel's Office was afraid that that might shed light on an argument that, while based in precedent that's since been overruled, uh, may have been argued in some piece of litigation going on somewhere in the United States pending at this moment. So not all of my hypotheticals were able to be answered, but she gave thoughtful analysis uh, wherever she was able to do so. And we figured out ways of, of uh, communicating more broadly on topics where she could. Did you learn anything new? She has faced uh, you know, Senate Judiciary hearings in the past. She has been a public figure. She has traveled uh, the world speaking, uh, drawing from her expertise and experience. Was there anything yesterday during your one-on-one -on -one meeting uh, that you learned you didn't know beforehand? Uh, not particularly new. Um, you know, I had... Um I talked to her a little bit about some conversations I had had previously with her former boss, with with Justice Scalia, um, and talked to her about things like the non-delegation doctrine, uh, which is a topic that I had repeatedly discussed in public and private settings with Justice Scalia, and um, I gave her some Scalia quotes that uh, that that she liked, um, but most of it was just getting to know her a little bit more and telling her a little bit about the committee process and what it's going to be like. Um, but she's a very affable person, very likable, uh, more convinced than ever that um, she's going to do really well in this hearing. You are not the only member of the Senate to have met with her yesterday and, and including today. Uh, there is now uh, a number of you who have met as you have uh, you know, discussed your respective meetings with your Senate colleagues. Uh, is there, uh, is there uh, like a, a, common, a common impression that she has left uh, amongst the senators with whom she has met? Um, all of us who have met with her so far, at least those I'm aware of, have been really pleased. Uh, uh, I haven't heard any exception to that. As far as I know, I think I was the first to have met with her yesterday after she met with Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham. Um, I, I think Senator Tim Scott, no, Senator Rick Scott met okay. with her right after I did. Everybody I've spoken to or has met with her uh, so far has really liked her. Many Democrats still refusing to meet with her. Uh, Minority Leader Schumer hasn't uh, changed his mind and, and set a meeting. I think that's right. Now, there are, I've heard that there are at least a handful of Democratic senators who have indicated that they will meet with her. Senator Dick Durbin uh, was on a, one of the Sunday 
TV news shows on ABC with me on Sunday. I think I heard him say on, uh, on that show, on a, in response to a question from George Stephanopoulos, that he would be meeting with her. I uh, seem to have heard at least a rumor that Joe Manchin would be meeting with her. So okay. there will be at least some Democrats who do that. Uh-huh. I wish all of them would. I, th- I think they'd enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, Senator Mike Lee, thank you so much for your time. Uh, this uh, this conversation stemming from uh, your face-to-face meeting with the nominee to the Supreme Court to fill the vacancy left by Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Uh, Senator Lee, member of the Judiciary Committee, my guest. Thanks again. Hey, thanks so much, Lee. Take care. Of course. Uh, all right, that's it. That's it for today's program. Uh, I am going to set aside what happened last night, okay? And maybe you can make that commitment with me. Uh, we're done talking about the disaster that was a debate last night. Uh, we're, I'm going to call it a day. I'm going to go home and get some sleep. And tomorrow, uh, you and I are looking forward with an optimistic and bright outlook. Next week, the candidates come to Utah, the vice presidential candidates. What will we learn then? Let's focus on the future. Forget about the nonsense of last night. Time for me to step aside and make way for the great Jeff Kaplan as he brings you Jeff Kaplan's afternoon news ahead here on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office to meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.